0: And like a phoenix splash rising from the ashes, Malcolm. I
1: see what you did there.
0: You see what he did there. We are back. Welcome to the second part of S.H.I.E.L.D. month. (laughs) (laughs) As Malcolm so eloquently put it Uh, during our Dean Ambrose episode. More like S.H.I.E.L.D. season. The Summer of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe.
1: Actually, I think you had the best name for it. uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Solstice.
0: <laughs> something like that something much longer than a month that's for damn sure oh, uh what happened yeah, for, oh. i don't you know, i don't know a whole lot of different things happened that kind of kept us from uh from recording this, this second part of this uh shield themed uh period whatever you want to call it now yeah i mean
1: to uh, put into summary for our listeners here uh the f- we're, we've been gone for almost 2 months now the first month joe got a job Hey. And uh, while we could still, thankfully, do firmware update, it was rough trying to find another two hours to do more, <laughs> to do this show. Yeah,
0: on top of, on top of the, the hours time. that it takes me to edit uh, the show after we record. Indeed.
1: And then, the month after, I dropped and had a seizure. So, <laughs> 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 which uh, takes a little while to recover from. It's hard to talk when you've bitten your tongue multiple times. So, yeah, but thankfully, we're back. I, I think we are I think we've. Found the groove again. What do you think, buddy?
0: I would like to think so. Indeed. Uh, and at least this time we're also easing into things because, as it turns out, Malcolm did a lot of the the heavy lifting with the last episode in terms of what we're going to be covering here. Uh, so it feels, you know, we're, we're knocking off the ring rest, so to speak, with an easy, an easy, with an easy match shot. Uh, and the, the first half hour of SmackDown
1: basically is what we're doing here. Yeah, as, uh, and I th- I'm sure we'll stumble upon this more and more as we cover people who have been in stables together, but sure. yeah, because pretty much most of uh, Seth Rollins' career was in the <laughs>
0: well
1: his sh- WWE career his WWE career. Oh, excuse me, yeah, which was Seth Rollins. So there you go. But it was with <laughs> uh, Dean Ambrose, so
0: yeah,
1: and Roman Reigns, yeah. which uh, Joe will let you know when you're gonna need to go back to that dean ambrose episode and look up uh that which was a good episode might i add <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh just listen to the part about the shield and you'll get uh, pretty much
0: caught up yes sir and um yeah so <laughs> look forward to part three of the shield spectacular uh sometime before hopefully the fall of 2015 <laughs> we'll
1: get done soon that And I think that will be another Ring Rust episode as we uh, discuss uh, Roman Reigns, which I'm actually looking forward to. I think he'll be a good conversation. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else you want to – I guess we should uh, preface – start – it's been a while. So speaking of Ring Rust, let's talk about Seth Rollins and why he's important. And let's uh, discuss the most obvious aspect of why he's important. He's kind of the world champion right now.
0: Yeah, he that matters a bit, I guess. You know.
1: Yeah, and how would you rate his performance <laughs> so far as world champion?
0: Um, well, it's hard to say. As 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 a slimy heel, uh, I'd say he's definitely tops in the company for sure. Uh, but as in ring, let's say, well, not necessarily performer because he's obviously terrific. But as uh, as uh, if you want to take account, you know, how well they portray him as a character in terms of his dominance, uh, it's hard to to feel too great about someone who loses to their miniature security detail uh, in a two-on-one handicap match when they're, like, half your size.
1: Well, to be fair, there was shenanigans,
0: at least. (laughs) Of course, but still. It's like you have your world champion losing to to Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury uh, on Raw. It's not not great. It's
1: not great. But at the same time, I would say he's the biggest heel in the company right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely that.
1: Second only to Triple H and Stephanie, but that's kind
0: of neither here nor there. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not, around, not around, around enough for them to, to matter a whole lot.
1: Exactly. And I want to point out something Joe said, and that's character. I love his character. He is <laughs> a, such a piece of shit on TV. <laughs> and it helps that he looks like one of Jim Henson's rats, too. So that helped. But yeah, everything he does is so weaselly and what have you. And uh, I love the fact that I love how that he's portrayed. Like he's one of those guys where, okay, I could see what Seth Rollins would do in this situation. You know, he would probably, I love that he's being built up as the architect where he's more or less being built up as the next cerebral assassin. And uh, which is great. Even especially when you consider what his new finisher is, which we won't
0: spoil that right off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: And uh, on the pl- also wrapping up, I would say get used to him because uh, I-, I think I would dare say that his run as champion is a success. Don't know about you, Joe. And uh, I think that it's nothing but increasing his stock in the company. And uh, I think he's going to be around for a long, long time.
0: I agree. Mm-hmm.
1: But enough of so that's why you should care. So let's go into the history <laughs> of one. Seth Montgomery, Walt Rollins.
0: I don't know where Montgomery came well, from, but... He used to be a mini Sure. Okay. But but his real name, his birth name, his, his God-given name is Colby Daniel Lopez.
1: I, that is news to me. Really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Born May 28th, 1986. So he's less than a year older than I am. And um, his place of birth would be Buffalo, Iowa. And um, yeah, Lopez is actually of Armenian descent. Uh, he actually gets his name from his Mexican American stepfather, uh, so that's where Lopez comes from. So, oh, wow. very interesting, uh, very interesting upbringing there for Mister Lopez, uh, I would say.
1: I would not have pictured Hispanic as uh, part of his heritage there. You know I mean,
0: right. But like I said, even then, Lopez just comes from a stepfather, so not even. Oh, okay, okay. So, so that's yeah, some pretty nutty stuff there. Uh, there's not much else that I know about Seth Rollins in terms of his personal stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of wrestlers, of course, their life is completely out in the open to a degree that exceeds, you know, we'd even other celebrities go through. Uh, but, yeah, aside from learning the usual name and date of birth stuff, uh, that's pretty much all I got <laughs> in terms of the background of Seth Rollins. Uh, so that that's interesting, I think. I don't know. I like it. I don't know how he's managed to, uh, to do that. But... Yeah, on top of that, though, uh, we'll, we'll go through how accomplished of a wrestler he was uh, before even getting on WWE's rest, uh, radar, uh, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so getting the Armenian-Mexican-American thing out of the way, uh, he makes his pro wrestling debut in 2003 uh, as, I don't know how to pronounce it, Gix or Jix, I don't know, <laughs> G-I-X-X, Gix. Either way, it's not a great name, uh, I don't think, mm. uh, premiering with Scott County Wrestling uh This gig's name was thankfully very short-lived, though, as he would debut uh, the name he would use for the rest of his indie run, uh, which was Tyler Black, at Independent Wrestling Association uh, Mid-South, IWA. Oh, okay. Uh, Now, at IWA Mid-South, he would enter the Ted Petty Invitational Tournament over the course of a weekend in late September 2005. Uh, There, he would defeat Sal Tomaselli on the first night of the tournament, but would lose to Matt Seidel, or Seidel, I believe, uh, Uh, a.k.a. Evan Bourne. Yeah, the following night. Uh, incidentally, uh, this tournament was loaded with other people, uh, other wrestlers that are actually that should be very familiar to uh, WWE fans. Uh, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, wow. uh, was in there. Uh, El, Gener- El Generico was in there. Mr. Sami Zayn, you might oh, know El him Generico, as El Generico, yeah, El Generico. <laughs> Generico, uh, and one Kevin Steen Jesus. was in there as well. And the and even and even his his future. Uh, his future security guard, Jamie Noble. They were all in there, uh, hanging out at the Ted Petty Invitational Tournament uh, in some random weekend in September of 2005. Wow. Pretty neat stuff, I think. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible looking back at, like, indies now. And you can see so many people who are in WWE now that apparently are just so used to working together with one another.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, and then back in at Scott County uh, wrestling. He would go back to win their heavyweight championship, even spray painting, uh, the belt to mark SCW's quote unquote black era, <laughs> uh, which was a nice touch, I thought. Yeah. Uh, he would then find himself at the NWA, uh, and National Wrestling Alliance's, uh, Midwest promotion, winning their tag team championships with, uh, Mark Brave. His two would defend their titles against the likes of Ryan Boz and Danny Daniels, uh, Brett Wayne and Hype Gotti and Jason Rain at Marco Cordova through out early 2006. Uh, in singles action, though, he would score off against the likes of Eric Priest and, much more notably, uh, AJ Styles, who's currently the IWGP heavyweight champ over at New Japan Pro Wrestling.
1: If we ever do a special, I want to talk about people who left TNA and are suddenly the greatest thing in wrestling right now, but
0: yeah. <laughs> that kind of, that's that seems like more of a, like, wow, TNA just isn't very really good at uh, holding on to their premier talent. No. <laughs> man, so uh anyway, he would actually make speaking of tNA a brief appearance over there in October of 2006, as far as I know basically just for this one match yeah uh, teaming up with Jeff uh, Luxon in a gloss against the Latin American exchange leX mm-hmm. which is composed of uh, homicide and hernandez hernandez uh familiar to those who tune into lucha underground every week mm-hmm. homicide uh,
1: uh, i I do know he's actually a really great uh He's actually a really good wrestler too, but I guess he's just rubs people the wrong way and never really got a shot. Yeah. No, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and then in a match against the Briscoe brothers over in, in May of 2007, uh, his tag team partner, again, Mark brave suffered a back injury that put him on the shelf for a very prolonged period. Uh, kind of forcing Tyler black to pursue more singles action at pro wrestling Guerrilla PWG starting in June 2007 uh, and in September. Oh, go ahead.
1: I was like, did he re- actually wrestle the pro wrestling gorilla or
0: yes, he did no. he pro wrestling gorilla, the silverback <laughs> in September of 2007. Moving right along, uh, Tyler Black joined ring of honor, okay, uh, which overlapped a lot of his time over at pro wrestling gorilla and other indie promotions or, or another indie promotion, rather uh, full impact pro until May of 2009. Can I tell but a, before we mo- a really quick uh, uh, story? Go
1: ahead. Uh, I actually learned this story. You can find this out on uh, CM Punk's uh, WWE set. Uh, but he talks about it during his time when at Ring of Honor, he basically ran a camp. He was in charge of training over there. And, you know, if you pass the training, you, you had to give Punk, 30, you know, $3,000, and then you were essentially in Ring of Honor. Okay. And uh, – he said that he was very hands-on with the training. Like he, he it wasn't like he just stood in the ring and said, "All right, do squats." Like no, he would like come down and do the squats with you and what have you. So he—it he was—he was doing all the exercises. And he mentions one in time in particular that uh, there was this one guy who really stood out, who was ahead of the pack, stayed up, uh, kept up with them, and what have you. And uh, at the end of it, he told, went up to the guy and said, "You know, wow, you're—you're you're in, dude. You're in." And uh, it. And the guy holding, yeah, that's fine. I don't have the money, so I can't do it. I essentially just came to do this just to see if I could do it, you know. <laughs> and that guy was Tyler, Tyler Black. So he could have debuted with uh, Ring of Honor much sooner if
0: he had three grand. Mm. So I thought it was. It seems like a pretty shooty requirement though, that that three grand thing. Well,
1: pay for training. We're not going to pay, do it for <laughs> free. Come on.
0: I mean, I mean, if I'm good enough, maybe confront me with that three thousand dollars and I'll pay you back. Well, Joe, you got to want it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to mortgage your house. Indeed. Oh, man. Anyway, you know, before we, we dive into his ROH run, uh, I guess we can kind of mop up over here with his time with uh, PWG and FIP. Okay. Uh, at PWG Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, the Life During Wartime event, uh, Tyler Black and Jimmy Jacobs won the, their, the World Tag Team Championship from Roderick Strong and El Generico. Uh, who had replaced Jack Evans, another uh, Lucha Underground personality lately. Uh, and in December of 2008, Tyler Black won FIP's World Heavyweight Championship from Go Shiozaki, uh, but vacated the title in May 2009 after a neck injury left him unable to compete. Uh, and that would be Tyler Black's uh, neck being injured, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but circling back around to uh, Ring of Honor, their man, up, their man Up event in September of 2007, he joined ROH along with Jimmy Jacobs and the Negro Butcher, and the three of them formed a faction called the Age of the Fall uh, when they attacked the Briscoe Brothers, and they even hung Jay Briscoe from, like, the roof or, like, some rigging that they used for a ladder match or something. What? Uh, earlier in the night. Yeah, yeah. Like, from his feet. Yeah, it <laughs> okay. Didn't lynch the man. <laughs> Jesus uh, uh, That's what I thought, too, And I read it, and then I saw, then I looked it up on YouTube I was like, oh, Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's like, nobody needs that. (laughs) I
1: mean, it was bad enough when Taker did it to boss man. I mean, Jesus,
0: (laughs) I know it's like, oh God, uh, man. And he would wrestle tag matches mostly as part of age of the fall. Uh, finally winning the ROH tag team champ championship with Jimmy Jacobs at final battle, 2007, uh, in December, defeating the Briscoe brothers. And, uh, they would end up losing the titles to the no remorse Corps uh, a month after that, uh, after losing those titles, Uh, Black would set his sights on the ROH World Championship as well as continuing the team with Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, While he would lose his first couple of of shots at ROH's top prize, he would once again win the tag titles with Jacobs in a tournament at Up for Grabs in June 2008. Uh, At the Driven event in September 2008, they would lose the titles to Kevin Steen and El Generico. Uh, It's fun to think about those guys uh, being, you know, best buds and tag team partners uh, after uh, everything that they make them do at the next Uh, anyway Tyler Black continued to chase the the world title uh, losing a number one contender match against Austin Aries at final battle in December 2008 following this loss Jimmy Jacobs would turn on Black by attacking him Uh, and for some reason Black would face ROH world champion Nigel Nigel McGuinness in a ninth title match before Aries did uh, defeating the champ at ROH's full circle event in January 2009 Uh, following this Aries refused to face McGuinness Uh, so Black was granted his title match instead, but was unsuccessful in winning the title as the two wrestled to a time limit draw. Real old school stuff. Broadway. (laughs) Yeah. Who doesn't love a good time limit draw? (laughs) Uh, I wonder why they don't do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder why. Where did I leave Okay, so Violent Tendencies. Uh, in June 2009, Black would put an end to the dispute with Jimmy Jacobs by defeating him in the Silk Cage match, so that monkey's off his back. Uh, and then in September of 2009, a couple of months after that, uh, Black finally had surgery to build a, to fix a bulging disc in his neck, presumably, uh, the injury that kept him from competing, uh, at FIP back in May. Uh, but upon returning, returning the following month, he, fi- he won, the uh, ROH's survival of the fittest tournament that they have every year, uh, earning a title match against new champion Austin Aries at final battle in December of 2009. Uh, and that was actually r first live pay-per-view, apparently. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, once again, though, Black would wrestle the champ to a time-limit draw. So, <laughs> sort <of> a theme <laughs> On for, the pay-per-view? For, for, Come on! Yeah, on the pay-per-view. Uh, following the draw, uh the commissioner, Jim Cornette, would book Ares and Black into a rematch at the 8th anniversary show in February th- 2010. Now, in the event of another draw, though, Cornette had set up a panel of judges that included himself... And one judge, each, or, and one judge uh, each of the competitors' choice. Like, they each had a, a choice of a judge to, to a point. So, I guess, make it as uh, even as possible for the judges. Jesus Christ. Did
1: he also yeah. change the name of the Fed to WCW? Jesus.
0: <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, anyway, uh, Black would win the match by pinfall, though. Uh, so, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> Finally winning the ROH World Championship. Hey. <laughs> anyway, between winning the title... Uh, in February and August of of 2010, within those, what is that, uh, seven months about? Yeah. Or six months? Uh, Tyler Black would defend the title successfully in a number of matches. Uh, in August, though, he would sign a developmental contract with World Wrestling Entertainment after fielding offers from both ROH and TNA, uh, and Black would turn heel for the remainder of his time with ROH, lashing out at fans that criticized him for selling out, and at one point even threatening to bring the ROH title with him to WWE.
1: And did you hear, like, some of the stuff going on behind the scenes? I do tell them. Uh, and this is courtesy of uh, not only the SHIELD DVD set, but if you go on uh, WWE, the WWE Network, if you look up the destruction of uh, the SHIELD special that they did forever ago, uh, mm-hmm. he talks about it there where essentially up until the point he wins the title and a little after, like Joe talked about, he was like the poster boy for ROH, one of their top guys. Uh, however, during this time, and unfortunately I didn't write this down, but ROH's owners changed hands. And for whatever the reason, they didn't like uh, Rollins, or they didn't like Black. And you saw his roles slowly but surely drop in the company. It wasn't until they found out that he had signed with another company that had decided to do essentially a Summer of Punk type of deal. Mm. See? Lucky agrees. Uh, so, <laughs> and it was actually like his drop that are like, all right, look. He reached out to John Laurinaitis of WWE, of WWE, and who he had been like talking to on and off, and said, "Look, I'm about to sign somewhere else. If you want me to come over, you know, now's the time." And it was actually at the 11th hour that Laurinaitis gave him a call and said, "All right, all right, here." And the rest, as they say, is history.
0: History that I have right here in front. Of you. All right, what happened then? <laughs> uh anyway, after after doing all that, the apparently WWE was the last promotion to make him a contract offer, like he said. Mm. Uh, but he says the the choice was also very easy after speaking to Mr. Evan Bourne, Matt Siddle. How do you pronounce his name? Siddhal Sidell, Sidell. Sidal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he admitted that he uh, likely wouldn't have he admitted that he likely wouldn't have the creative freedom freedom others could give him, uh, like other feds, but he recognized WWE as, you know, just being, Hey, they've got all the money and stuff. So, (laughs) and you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the peak of the industry. So it's hard, it's hard to argue with stuff like that. you know.
1: Yeah. That's uh that's actually a really good sum up there by Seidel. And, you know, you're not going to have as much freedom, but at the end of the day, if you're looking to make money, that's where you got to go. Yeah. Even if it's just as simple as you go there, you're, you're big for a few years and then you can just rape and pillage in the frickin' indies for the rest of your
0: career. But yeah. maybe not that last part, but yeah,
1: well, rape you can and... do very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you're making millions, but you can get like 2000 in appearance or something like that, yeah. which is considered crazy for everyone else. Who's making 20 bucks that night, but I digress. <laughs> right. All right.
0: So, so what happens? So, at his final ROH appearance, Tyler Black would finally lose his title to Roderick Strong at Glory by Honor 9 on September 11th, 2010, Was Terry Funk as Special force. Never forget. Never forget, Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> so, days later, days later, at the September 14th, 2010 SmackDown tapings, Kobe Lopez makes his official WWE debut in a dark match against Trent Beretta, Tyler Black's first and only WWE appearance, because that's like that's the one time he was Tyler Black at WWE. Ooh, nice. Just, just, at, a, just at a random dark match at a SmackDown tape. Nice, in 2010. Nice trivia. I like that. Lopez was then assigned to FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, making his debut on September 30th, a couple weeks later, as Seth Rollins. Uh, and he would lose to Michael McGillicuddy. And who's Michael McGillicuddy, Michael? Joe Henning. A.K.A. Curtis Axel, Indeed. a.k.a. Axel apparently. That's his name now.
1: I, I really want to forget his name is Axel Mania, please. <laughs>
0: uh, and some background on Seth Rollins as the name. Lopez says that the name Rollins is a note to Henry Rollins, frontman of the hardcore punk band Black Flag, while Seth is simply a name that he likes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: so there you go. Seth Rollins. Bonus points for Her- Henry Rollins there, but yep. I love how his music is just generic rock, though. <laughs> yeah, like uh, his like whole, like his whole entrance. I think he would just like dance, like he'd just do like a rock dance, and then just go to the ring. But thankfully, that dropped when he went <laughs> mainstream. But still, yeah. Uh, so, uh-huh. how, how do you do in FCW?
0: All right, well, he would soon get in on FCW's hot 15-minute Iron Man action, Malcolm, that we remember we talked about in the Dean Ambrose episode. Yeah, it seemed Uh, to be quite a bit of his
1: history. (laughs) Those
0: Iron Man matches that are 15 entire minutes long, Mm. uh, wrestling Unico to a one-to-one draw in the inaugural FCW 15 match in in November of 2010. Uh, in, In January 2011, a couple months later, he would win a tournament to become the first FCW 15 champion. King of the Iron Man match over at FCW. Uh, Seth Rollins would also carry on Tyler Black's legacy as, ta- as a tag team champion, winning alongside Rick- <laughs> Ricky Steamboat Jr., Malcolm. Richie Steamboat. Rich-
1: I remember Richie Steamboat. I miss
0: him. <laughs> uh, in March 2011 against Damien Sandow and Tadis O'Neill. The two would lose those titles, though, uh, to Big E Langston and Calvin Raines. I miss Langston as a last name. Yeah.
1: I don't know what what Vince has against last names. Like, Neville lost. Adrian Neville lost his last name.
0: No, he lost his first name. Oh,
1: no, wait. Yeah, okay, he lost his first name. (laughs) Fine. Neville is. Because Neville sounds so much better than Adrian.
0: (laughs) It sounds so nerdy without anything else in front of it. Yeah, what the hell is a Neville? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway.
1: Oh, Antonio Cesaro, he lost his first name too. Jesus.
0: Alexander Rusev. Yep. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs>
1: friggin All right, uh, moving on.
0: Anyway, uh, in July 2011, Rollins would enter that program that we talked about so extensively with Dean Ambrose over Rollins' FCW 15 title. Uh, their first match on August 14th would end in a 0-0 draw, resulting in a 20-minute rematch two weeks later. Another 0-0 draw resulted in a 30-minute rematch on September 18th. Uh, and when this ended in a 2-2 draw, the match went into a sudden death with Rollins securing the win. Mm. Yeah. So after the mammoth effort to retain the FCW 15 championship against Ambrose, Rollins would lose it days later to Damian Sandow after Ambrose came in and attacked them. Or attacked Sandow, I believe. Yeah. And the rule was I think keep in mind
1: the 15-minute matches are under Iron Man rules. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it was by DQ, it was still a point for Sandow. Yeah. But Jesus, it's funny to me that how well Ambrose and Rollins work together. And (laughs) I can't really, like, you didn't really say any matches where they had together. Like, before ROH, or ROH, before NXT, or FCW. God damn it, FCW. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, but, yeah, I mean, this is not the last time we'll say those two together, but. No, definitely not. All right, so what did, okay, so I know about this part, but what happened after for Seth Rollins.
0: Well, he would actually make his WWE television debut with a quick cameo in the promo for WrestleMania for the WrestleMania 28 match between The Rock and John Cena that aired during the elimination pay-per-view in February of 2012. Really? Show, yeah, he was showing working out in Cena's gym, just kind of hanging out. I didn't know Cena had a gym, my gosh. Of course he does. They all do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, later that month, though, Rollins would win the FCW Florida Heavyweight Championship from Leo Krueger. Poor, poor Leo Kruger, <laughs>
1: a.k.a. Uh, Adam Rose. It's amazing talking about some of these guys who are big deals in FCW and even NXT, and look where they are now. Like, yeah, Leo Kruger, he's on the chopping block. Uh, yeah. Damien Sandow, poor, poor Damien Sandow. <laughs> uh and Joe Henning. Oh, God. It's kind of depressing, but he.
0: It's very depressing, actually. Yeah. So he wins
1: the title, which not surprising. He's sort of been a big deal. Yeah. And what happens after that?
0: Uh, a couple months later, in June of 2012, he would lose the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and by August, and by August, unfortunately, FCW had ceased operation, being rebranded as NXT. Uh, and Rollins would make his NXT TV debut on the new promotion, second episode, defeating Hero. Remember Hero? Hero? Yeah. Who's hero? Some guy. Okay. <laughs> Just some guy, Malcolm. Okay. <laughs> not ever. <laughs>
1: well, you may know him as Brock Lesnar or not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not all parts of these equations are equal to each other, Malcolm. We'll learn that. I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, NXT, though, held a gold rush tournament to crown its first champion, with Rollins defeating Jinder Mahal in the final on the August 29th, 2012 episode to Become the Inaugural Champ.
1: Think of what you just said there, but okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jinder Mahal. I,
1: it was funny watching that because I did, I did see this. Yeah, Jinder <laughs> Mahal was a freaking assassin on that show. Man. And then you see him get destroyed on WBTV. Yep. But yeah, it was a big deal when uh, Rollins won. You know, you saw oh, Dusty Rhodes in there holding up his hands. He had everyone else out. I mean, he was the first NXT champion and the, yeah. the NXT championship has become something really important in WWE, not just on NXT, but in general in WWE, which is,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and he was the first.
0: Yep. And, uh, he just, he successfully defended the NXT championship on his own through the end of the year. But when the first episode aired for, tw- uh, the first episode taped for 2013 had already aired, by the time that first episode aired in early January, he'd already made his WWE debut with The Shield at Survivor Series in November 2012. Oh, who are they? Uh, <laughs> is this some guys. Some guys. Okay. <laughs> uh, <the> sh- <laughs> so that's weird. It's like he he was, he um yeah, like a, like I think he was still a solo act even in that January episode. So they tape a lot of episodes in advance. Uh, but he was already, you know, palling around with The Shield at Survivor Series in November of 2012. Uh, but the shield helped him retain uh, his NXT championship against Corey Graves in the January third episode.
1: Yeah, they would still uh, appear as a group on NXT from time to time, which was cool. Just watching him destroy everyone <laughs> there because you know if they they were unstoppable on the main roster, so no, who was going to stop him on NXT? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, let me tell you, Malcolm, on the January seventh episode of NXT, Rollins faced Biggie Langston in a No DQ title match. But the shield was suddenly put at a disadvantage when the rest of the NXT locker room took them out, allowing Big E to win the NXT championship. Which, you know what? I'll take that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it took the whole locker room to come out. (laughs) (laughs) The whole locker room was like, nope, no more. And because on paper, I was like, okay, no DQ match against Seth Rollins of the shield. Yeah, it's going to go well, Big E. Good good luck. But (laughs) this is back when Big E was pretty much Goldberg except – with bits of King Kong Bundy, where he wanted a five count every single time.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, man. And uh, But to close out Rollins and the Shields' time at NXT, they would attack Corey Graves during his number one contenders match against Connor, Bri- Connor O'Brien. Graves would- I love Connor O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Graves would then challenge any member of the Shield to face him, a match that Rollins would accept and win. Mm-hmm. Well, that's his time at NXT, there, Malcolm.
1: Indeed. Short but fruitful. Yeah, he, he had a good run there, and so from there he go. We go right into the whole Shield run for the most part, and uh, <laughs> rather than spare you, rather than hit you with the same thing, uh, if you guys want to hear what happened with the Shield, just head on over to the Dean Ambrose episode, or maybe if Joe's feeling industrious, you can cut and paste that section here, but. Uh, yep. So we head right in there. The Shield happened, became one of the most dominant uh, teams in history. And uh, where are we gonna jump in with uh, Seth Rollins' story again, there, Joe?
0: Well, I kind of want to just highlight the you know the differences between the three Shield members real fast. Okay. Uh, you know because out of the three Shield members, interestingly, you know obviously he was the high flying acrobat, often taunted, taunted taunted touted as the phenom. No, I'm getting all screwed up here. Use he the acrobat and also touted as the architect. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I would say we never really saw too much of the architect part, though.
0: I'm- no, I mean, but it, like towards the end of their run as a shield, all of a sudden Michael Cole kept calling him the architect, even though those like we didn't really see that behavior. But until like at the end, where he started kind of like pointing people in different directions or whatever in no metal matches. Oh no, I would say it's
1: been longer than that, but. Yeah, I mean, he would call him the architect I guess, trying to make him sound like the brains... Either the brains or the one who made this group come together. Right. And, uh, yeah, we didn't really see see him scheming or forming plans. Like, (laughs) I will say, though, the one time I would say we did see Seth Rollins, like, how smart he was, was uh, the first time it looked like the shield was breaking up. And he basically had this... Fantastic promo, and you know the one where he basically said to him, "Okay, are we done, or are we done?" Right. That.
0: But aside from that, no. no. <laughs>
1: um,
0: you know, and obviously, all three members were and are very talented individuals. But since I don't think, like, I like looking back at it, like, or as far as I remember, he didn't really showcase the obvious characteristics of a future main event attraction the way you know Rands and Ambrose did. Yeah, uh, like a lot of people
1: including myself, I'll be frank, really thought that he was going to be back-burnered. Like, when a, when a tag team or stable breaks up, somebody gets the shaft, usually. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know, a lot of people... Marty Someone's Gennetti. the Marty Jannetty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Someone gets Marty Jannetty, that's all there
1: is. <laughs> like, Dean Ambrose, you could see a main eventer in him, and you could tell already that they yeah. were really grooming Roman Reigns. Like, it, yeah. it was obvious Roman Reigns was the favorite of the company.
0: Yeah, he had the stoic powerhouse and he had the chaotic brawler. But, you know, Rollins, you know, even though he was very acrobatic, you know, that was a very specialized moveset that he brings to the table. Mm. Uh, and there have been high-flying, like, WWE champions, obviously, you know, like Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and Jeff Hardy, things like that. You know, or people like that.
1: Technically, Shawn Michaels is one, too.
0: Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean aside from, like, Shawn Michaels, none of them have really been the face of the company, uh, mm. even if they win the championship. Uh, so, you know... Like, seeing this group of characters, you know, together, you're like, all right, he seemed like the odd man out. He always seemed like the odd man out uh, in the group. But, you know, since breaking all of our hearts by breaking up the shield uh, and realigning himself with the authority, uh, he's not only continued his work as an excellent in-ring performer, but he's elevated his mic work to cement himself as a top tool in the company as well. Yeah, I,
1: I I will say that when that whole thing went down, which was, once again... The one of the biggest jaw dropping moments I can remember, like it's the last time I was like, "Holy shit, what are you doing?" But, but since that uh, moment, I actually went on record saying that they made a mistake. Like I thought, Dean, Am- if you're gonna make it, do a heel turn, Dean Ambrose was the right choice. So yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of it at first. However. I would say it was around, do you remember the interview uh, Michael Cole did did on Raw in the ring with uh, Seth Rollins? Yeah. Yeah, it was around there where he was sitting down and giving his explanation. Because it had to be good, because he literally turned his back on the most dominant faction in the history of WWE.
0: Yeah, and not only that, he was seemingly the weak link.
1: (laughs) So he had to have a pretty damn good reason. Exactly. And uh, to his credit, too, I thought Triple H sold it well, too. Like, he ma- he made it a big point that, no, this was the brains behind everything. Uh-huh. He's how, how would I not choose this guy? And uh, together, they sold it off really well. And on top of that, he had so much heat. Like, he still gets sellout. <laughs> the, you sold out chance, too. That
0: was a year ago.
1: I know. And he gives a and his look every single time. It's like, come on, guys! So that was like a year ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, and yeah. Like in hindsight, it, it's hard to believe that we were even blind to to his talents. But it's it's great. It's great stuff.
1: Yeah. It was just a matter of perspective. I mean, one to, for especially towards the end, there they were focusing so much on uh, Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. and you know, at first we even thought thought it looked like uh, Dean Ambrose was going to get going to be the one that turned on him too. And uh-huh. he sort of got lost in the shuffle Saved save some really good matches, but yeah. But I'd have to say in terms of running, if there is like ever an example to show somebody for taking the ball and running with it, it's this part right here with Seth Rollins.
0: Yeah. So soon after leaving the shield or breaking it up, probably want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rollins announced himself as the first participant in the Money in the Bank ladder match for June 2014, like an episode of like main event or something. (laughs) Which made sense, you know, because now he was friends with the authority. (laughs) Yeah. And in the weeks between the Shield split and Money in the Bank, Dean Ambrose, of course, pledged to make Rollins' life a living hell for his betrayal. And of course, Rollins convinced authority. At some, uh, it got to a point where Rollins convinced the authority to let Ambrose into the ladder match, if only to keep him from interfering in, in the match from the outside. You
1: know what? That made sense because because <laughs> he was absolutely right. If they kept him out of the match, he, he would just interfere and be like the phantom eighth member of the of the whole match.
0: Right, but as, if he's just a part of the match, you know, then other people in the match will just be, will have time to beat him up as well. Exactly. So that was genius i like that uh but instead Kane would interfere in the match from the outside on rollins behalf uh hitting ambrose at the tombstone and holding the ladder while rollins claimed the briefcase to win the match
1: yeah and once again showing off how much of a schmuck he is in the process so (laughs) like every little thing has been you'll find has been built up to make you dislike seth rollins like he can't like the point is he doesn't he rarely does something himself. He always has backup. And that's just to go with the whole mystique of what he is. He's a sniveling little shit who's being given everything he receives.
0: <laughs> and who's more unlikable than the person who buddies up with Kane on purpose? Like, ugh. ugh,
1: <laughs>
0: ugh the worst.
1: Oh, good, good times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so after failing to stop Rollins from winning the briefcase, Ambrose instead promises to keep Rollins from cashing it in, igniting both performances first post-S.H.I.E.L.D. feud uh, in a big way. Uh, But again, since we're overlapping with the Dean Ambrose episode, we'll just go ahead and skip to Night of Champions instead in September of 2014. Once again, though, I will say that in
1: terms of making the most out of something, uh, I guarantee you the whole thing with Dean Ambrose was maybe going to be one or two pay-per-views, but they just made it work so well that it went the entire summer. So
0: good on them. Moving on to uh, September 2014, Night of Champions. Rollins was scheduled to have a match with his other shield mate, Roman Reigns, but unfortunately that was canceled after Roman had to get emergency surgery and a hernia. You
1: know what had been great? If, like, maybe they showed, like, a backstage skit where they showed, like, I don't know, Seth Rollins poisoning his drink that would, like, accelerate his hernia or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or just maybe hitting a chair across his bum. I don't know. How, however you, it, you aggravate, just edit, and then that's why.
0: Uh, I think it was all too sudden for them to do anything of any kind. <laughs> like, I remember, if I remember, it was, like, the weekend. Like, it was, like, literally two days before the event where all of a sudden it's like, oh, Roman Reigns isn't going to be here. Like, they, could, they didn't even have time to, like, air a SmackDown taping or something. Like, a segment for SmackDown the day before.
1: Yeah, and if I remember correctly, uh, once again, Dean Ambrose was supposedly off TV, and he actually came back early in order to take Roman Reigns' spot.
0: And, uh, but instead, of course, Roman, uh, I mean, not Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins being the stand up guy that he is, he came out to the ring anyway, uh, to gloat and kill, claim his victory via forfeit.
1: That was amazing. That was <laughs> one of my favorite parts. Like, he gets his hand raised and he is so happy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Man, but in lieu of a proper match that night, Rollins would instead attempt to cash in his briefcase during the main event between Brock Lesnar and John Cena. Attacking Cena with the briefcase and causing a DQ, Rollins hit a curb stop once on Lesnar and, and handed the referee his briefcase, but Cena was able to fend him off right before the bell could actually be rung for a proper uh, cash-in. So, like, I, I believe he managed to get f 5 as well. Or no, Cena got f 5 for his efforts as well. So. Yeah.
1: The
0: only thing, though, is I don't remember what exactly happened. What happened to Dean Ambrose that night that he couldn't actually... Uh, uh,
1: he was arrested, I believe. Yeah, like... <laughs> Like, uh, oh yeah, it's Triple H and, at the very least, he was forcibly removed from the arena, so he was actually outside of the arena, so there was no way for him to interfere.
0: Mm. Weird. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, skipping the Hell in a Cell match against Ambrose in the next month, uh, the build-up to Survivor Series in 2014, uh, November 2014 was over the future of the company, Malcolm. The very fate of everything uh, going on with the uh, McMahon's company over there up north. Mm. Rollins, of course, captained Team Authority against Team Cena, with the stipulation being early on that if Team Authority won, everyone on Team Cena, except for Team Cena or except for John Cena, would be fired from the company. Because let's Uh, not be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if Team Cena won, then the Authority would be removed from power. And Big Show, of course, uh, turned heel for like the eight thousandth time during the match. (laughs) Uh, What was this? Uh, what was this? Uh, oh my God! I don't know. But he knocked out John Cena uh, and walked out to leave, you know, Dolph Ziggler in a three-on-one situation uh, against Kane, Luke Harper, and, and you know, and Seth Rollins. And of course, <laughs> remember when Seth Rollins, or not Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler was—he remember when he single-handedly saved the company from ruin, Malcolm?
1: Sadly, I do, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and I also remember. What WWE did with that afterwards
0: literally nothing yep (laughs) but Ziggler of course defeating all three of those men uh following shenanigans from Triple H and uh of course the the vigilante's thing Malcolm Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) oh this match is so full of things that we were hopeful for that didn't pan out
0: (laughs) I know man don't we know it so yeah of course uh, as Dolph Ziggler gets down to, to Cesar Rollins being the one-on-one, both of them still the survivors of, of their respective teams, uh, and Triple H just kind of, <laughs> like, just, he blatantly, like, he, it, I've never seen such blatant shooting from an outside first outside, outside party. Yeah, he just kicks the shit out of Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yanks the ref and throws him away. It's like, man, forcing Sting to come out of literally nowhere. And everyone's like, what the hell? uh
1: so, and that would be the other oh-shit moment I can remember this year. <laughs> yeah, reason. so
0: but good times all around with that match, really. But yeah, he beat up Ziggler so bad, I thought it might lead to a match. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, in a vacuum, uh, that that match is it's a lot of fun to watch. Oh, based yeah. On, uh, based off of everything uh, that, that surrounds it. But everything after it, you know, it's a shame that it's almost, literally, almost none of it panned out. Like, uh... I-
1: that match, that pay-per-view, I, I have to say, was during one of the months that was the first month I can remember where they're like, "Hey, here's a free month," and uh, there were so many things that jammed into that month that I thought it was like the best case of you know making the most with what audience you have at the moment. That I'm more than positive they got a lot, quite a few million subscriptions after that.
0: Oh yeah, um, and of course with the authority Austin from power. Rollins didn't have the security blanket, of course, that he'd banked on when he broke up the shield. Uh, but, you know, somehow the weird thing about this whole Survivor Series thing is that Cena retained the ability to bring them back whenever he wanted. Uh, but, of course, there was no reasonable reason for him to actually do something like that. But Seth Rollins tried to convince him anyway, unsuccessfully for, for a lot of it. And the two would have a tables match at TLC in December with the added stipulation that Cena would lose his number one contendership for the WWE title if he lost the match. Now, if I remember correctly, Malcolm, this match had Lattice and Gannigans of its own because near the end of the match, a table is set up outside the ring and both men fall through it at virtually the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after multiple referees disagree over who falls through the table first, the match is restarted. So, of course, that leads to more shenanigans. Uh, afterwards, a big show interfering on Rollins' behalf, which causes Roman Reigns to do the same for Cena, and allowing Cena to decisively beat Rollins.
1: Uh, by the way, those two really good chemistry together,
0: I think. Yes, definitely. Oh, and we'll know we'll definitely see this the month later, uh, at the next pay per view event. But before we get to that, Malcolm, Rollins of course still wants the authority back, so he continues his feud with Cena. Uh and he finally manages to go to Cena into reinstating the authority by holding Edge hostage on the december twenty ninth episode of Raw.
1: If there was ever a time to post that picture of Will Farrell with the coffee saying, well, that escalated quickly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I'll break his damn neck. It's like, whoa, whoa, take it easy. Like, it was literally,
1: it was literally just Edge and Christian just like hanging out in the ring, thinking to close out the show. And then, then here comes Rollins and Big Show. And they're just basically like, fuck it. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> they take out Christian, who apparently only has one hit point and can be taken with one briefcase shot in the chest.
0: Well, because I mean, both Edge and Christian are basically untouchable at this point because you know Christian's got had like eight thousand concussions in his career, mm-hmm. and then Edge with his like half a like half of a bird boned neck that he has. Well, they're yeah, they're both essentially Mr.
1: Glass from uh, Friggin Unbreakable, uh-huh. and uh, they grab uh, Edge. Who is really Mr. Who really Mr. Glass? Hold him down, and then you know Cena comes out, and they have this. I know what they were going for, but it looked kind of stupid. too. It did. Where Cena's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> he was like in a constant state of ready to spring the action. He's like, "And you're right." Like Ron's like step closer, I'll fucking kill him. And you are like, "Jesus Christ." <laughs> think of that buddy. funny so yeah finch so essentially seth rollins the mastermind <laughs> like what if i just threatened to kill some guy how about that <laughs> and murder him dead oh yeah and to be fair he was being really scummy about it he was telling him like hey the guy has a kid coming cena what are you gonna do and i'm like holy shit <laughs> so cena finally relents is like all right i reinstate the authority <laughs> and, oh man and, uh, you know, then Seth Rollins tries to do it anyway, to uh, which Cena is able to make it in on time and stop him, which begs the question, why did he even do it, <laughs> if he had the speed to do it? And then my favorite part, Rollins gets away, and this is all in the same night, and then the authorities' music hits, and they come out and start to celebrate <laughs> right Yeah,
0: they're just hanging out backstage, I guess. Why would
1: they be backstage? <laughs> Uh, if they were let they know like up yep, tonight's the night? oh
0: <laughs> uh, man i don 't know malcolm i don't know
1: I would love it if they went to every single show, hoping that Seth Rollins got him to say it <laughs> it's like fuck it we we work for the company, we got tickets,
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, but uh, to reward him for bringing them back, the authority did insert Rollins into the main event at Royal rumble twenty fifteen or not the main event the main the non rumble main event. Uh, making the championship match between John Cena and Brock Lesnar to a triple threat
1: and making that match the only good thing about that royal rumble <laughs> <laughs> yeah that just uh yeah
0: everything i that this match uh better off forgotten maybe mm-hmm. and uh you know despite J&J's, you know constant interference because as a triple threat match there's no disqualification mm-hmm. uh so J was was constantly interfering throughout the match but it was to no avail uh as Seth Rollins was in Seth Rollins or John Cena, even though they were doing as much as they could to fight each other as little as possible to try to take up Brock Lesnar, were unable to wrest the the World Heavyweight Championship away from him uh, because he's an unreal freak of a man. Yeah, that match did a lot to make him
1: out to be that unreal freak of a man. The fact that they had to work together and especially the spot where it's like an FU on a table and then a flying elbow through a table, which looked Mm -hmm. magnificent. A, f- a beautiful flying elbow. Yeah, and Rollins looked like he had it after he hitting that uh, the much the top at the top of the show. We mentioned Phoenix Splash on Cena, and then all of a sudden, and I'm not even kidding, Brock Lesnar like materializes <laughs> behind Rollins, grabs him, and chucks him on his fucking head. Oh man. Uh, and then you know, F five, F five. That's it. I mean, like, oh this ma that match is great, like that is definitely one you need to check, check out my
0: yeah one of one of the very best triple threat matches you'll ever see mm-hmm. easily, and then
1: if you can't just skip to that match at Royal Rumble and Jen just leave
0: <laughs> yeah that's yeah, just watch that match and that's all you need to watch from the Royal rumble <laughs> indeed in twenty fifteen
1: so after that, what did Rollins do?
0: well, he kind of offhandly mentions uh you know during a promo following the screen review uh about how much better he'd be at hosting The Daily Show after Jon Stewart announced that he was leaving it. <laughs> like, he just kind of offhandedly does it. It's like, he just announced that he was leaving, and he's like, ah, oh, this is... Like, it's a thing that WWE does, where they try to insert topical things into their promos, and sometimes something happens. And this is one of the few times where something actually came of their topical uh, humor, because... Uh, Jon Stewart is a huge mark, that's what <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because after he, 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 he trashed Jon Stewart... The two would enter a back-and-forth for several weeks, obviously not in-ring, but, you know, they, they had a nice back-and-forth where uh, Seth Rollins would show up on a daily show once or twice, uh, and eventually, uh, Dan Stewart would end up showing up on Raw and kicking Rollins square in the balls, and it was, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen.
1: <laughs> I would say it's also pro- arguably one of the best ins- uses of a celebrity, where yeah. it wasn't just a celebrity just kicking the shit out of the wrestler for no freaking reason, but, uh, yeah, I... I th- Stuart you know, played up the fact that he shouldn't be, you know, stick going toe to toe with Rollins, and uh, I did like uh, how he, how he, how he uh, composed himself for the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, Rollins, I thought was really good on on, on uh, Seth uh, on uh, the Daily Show too, where he's he just like sort of appears, and you're like, don't don't question how I'm here. I'm all powerful and. <laughs> But yeah, if you could check if you see any can get it, check out the footage. they are actually really good.
0: Terrific stuff. All right. But meanwhile, besides that, though, he would team with Kane and Big Show against Dolph Ziggler, Ryback, and Eric Rowan in what I call a SmackDown six-man tag at Fastlane in February. <laughs> yeah, the most notable thing that happened was after the match, which Kane won by pinning Ziggler, by the way. So, like, literally the most insignificant match <laughs> on the card. <laughs> uh, but the most significant thing that happened... Uh, was afterwards, with Randy Orton returning after several months away to RKO Rollins. You'll remember that a few months beforehand, you know, the authority was kind of losing control of of, R- of Randy Orton, who had kind of become a loose cannon mm. and was kind of uh, disrupting things that the authority wanted to do. So Seth Rollins uh, was... Cut, they all cut, they, not just Seth Rollins, but the entire authority, like the Big Show and Kane and J&J and all of them beat him up. Uh, and, you know, Seth Rollins put on the finishing touch by curb-stomping him through a pile of cinder blocks, and then he was gone for several months.
1: Yeah, I remember that, that whole scene. It was actually – it really makes Randy Orton look like a complete asshole. I mean <laughs> – because, <laughs> you know, Rollins was actually legit trying to put – like, he was being a dick up until, but now he's like, look, I know I I made some mistakes. You're, without question, the face of the authority. I apologize. Like, he's, like, there's nothing shown that he was lying. So, it's, but it was Orton who was like, no, fuck you, and just, <laughs> just hits an RKO in, on him, and then that turns into the burly brawl there. That it was. <laughs> and it was kind of touching there, like, you see, like, Triple H looking down at uh, Orton's body, and Stephanie's like, you can't let this go. We can't let this go, not after this. And you see <laughs> Triple H, it's like, looking at Orton as if he's like seeing their entire history to get, it's actually a really good moment. And he's like, <laughs> and finally he's like, do it. And he leaves. Cause he doesn't have the heart to do it himself as Kane and, and Rollins and everybody else go do it. It was actually really nicely done. I, I, I really do enjoy it. <laughs> However, or- Orton would come back and uh, RKO the shit out of everybody. And takes out the Authority by himself, which, by the way, make made Ryback, Ziggler, and and uh, Eric Rowan look like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of made the
0: Authority look like like this. Made didn't no one any favors. <laughs> no, man. The sick, the the sick, the SmackDown Six Man Tag.
1: Oh nuts. God,
0: what was this doing on pay per view? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like, guess literally every week on Rao or SmackDown. Oh.
1: And I think they had this exact match, like, the next week on SmackDown. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Uh, All right, so
0: what happened? Yeah, so following the attack by Orton, Rollins and the authority tried to bring him back into their good graces over the course of several weeks, uh, but were unable to, which led to a match at WrestleMania 31, Malcolm.
1: Can I mention how stupid the lead-up was? Yep, please do. Because it was, like, literally Randy Orton saying, you know, if, this is after he RKOs everybody. He's like, you know what? I'm backing the authority, <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, cool. Like everyone's like, wait, what? And like because it makes no sense. And you, and then finally, it's like you could tell all this was just building up to him turning on Orton, on Orton, on Rollins, excuse me, mm. which it eventually does during a tag match. Which once again, Seth Rollins not doing anything to, to be a dick. He's, like, actually standing by Orton and saying, come on, guys, we've got to give him a chance. And it's like, I'll even work with him. Let's do this tag match together. And Orton just being a dick, like, for fuck's sakes, if you didn't like the guy, just attack him. It's not, <laughs> it's not like I needed a reason to boo Rollins. Just like, <laughs> right. don't show me Rollins being this nice guy and then attack him for no him the bird, and then just... He beat the shit out of uh, Seth Rollins for, like, 10 minutes after the tag match. Yeah. So much that I'm like, well, I have no reason to watch the pay-per-view now because I just saw Orton get his revenge.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fucking
1: A. But they have the match at WrestleMania, and to be fair, it's a good match.
0: Yeah, but... I think the exclamation point is that the curb stomp was reversed into possibly the most spectacular RKO I've ever seen.
1: Indeed, and you, it's a shame
0: because we're never gonna be able to see that counter ever again. <laughs> I know, I think that's part of the reason uh that the curb stomp isn't used anymore, is because well like why wouldn't you just stand up right when he puts his <laughs> foot on your head? <laughs> well that's also and like a launch of
1: eight feet in the air. Well, that's also like asking, why would you punch Hogan a third time after he points at you? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just leave the ring at that point. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, he got he got beat by Orton. Ugh, it's a shame for Seth. He could have had such a great great moment at WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, it's a shame. So that was over. Yeah. Or was it, Malcolm? Oh, what? What? Whoa! Well, because, of course, he would have cashed in that fu- that money in the bank contract, finally, at WrestleMania, turning the main event between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns into a triple threat. And
1: it's amazing
0: how many problems this solved. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, because, of course, you know, the whole thing was that people were wondering whether they were going to really pull the trigger on Roman Reigns as the new champion, because that seemed the very obvious resolution leading up to the, the event and of course like you, you can't have him beat Brock Lesnar right because Brock Lesnar was like an unstoppable monster for months and months and months so having Rollins cash in and pin Roman Reigns and not Brock Lesnar is like no no they're like no one looks bad out of, coming out of that
1: indeed and it solved like all the problems I had with uh, Roman Reigns like granted once again still shouldn't have so many reasons why Royal Rumble 2015 was awful but And it kind of annoyed me that he was getting the title, but because, uh, because Rollins did this during the match, instead of waiting till after Roman Reigns won the Uh title, you know, Reigns has still yet to have the belt, which means he gets to grow on me a little bit more, which (laughs) is great. And, uh, Rollins, once again,
0: looks like a piece of shit in how he did it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, after 20 brutal last minutes where Lesnar and, and Reigns are just beating the crap out of each other. Jesus, were they beating the crap out of each <laughs> other? You know, Rollins just kind of moses on over with this briefcase, curb stomps the two other men, you know, just pins Reigns and just like, hey, I'm champion. It's like, you didn't earn that.
1: <laughs> so like, that, that's the unfortunate part there because uh, not too long after this, curb stomps, for whatever the reason, is now banned.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So when they show replays of this moment, they can't show the finish. Yeah. Because, uh, for those of you who don't know, they're banning it for do the whole concussion deals where you know they want to protect people from concussions. You know, meanwhile, Seamus, the stiffest guy in the company, can still jump-kick you right in the
0: fucking head. (laughs) Yeah, like, there's still so many... Like, the curb stomp is the only one that's affected by this. Like, meanwhile, you can still DDT or powerbomb dudes, like, nobody's business, or kick them in the face a hundred times.
1: And the curb stomp really isn't that dangerous. Like, I have... No, you just put your arms down, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, and you can tell he's not putting any pressure. It's like, of all things, the curb stomp? But But, and which led to a very awful two months where he was using like
0: what I called the tripping DDT. Yeah, like it, it looks like a reverse DDT. The setup, but he just kind of falls forward with it, and like what? Yeah,
1: it, it, it looked like they both tri- they both take a pratfall at the same time. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but then, but it, it'll lead to him getting a better finisher, which uh, I, we're jumping a little far ahead for that. So. A little what, bit, yeah. What happened after WrestleMania, Joe?
0: Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, post-WrestleMania, uh, well, first, a couple of things that are, are noteworthy about his in at WrestleMania is that, uh, of course, he was the first person to cash in at WrestleMania, to, the first to do so during a match, even. Uh, and, of course, this, this whole thing makes him the first NXT champion to win the WWE uh, World Heavyweight Championship. So a lot of cool firsts uh, from Mr. Seth Rollins mm-hmm. in that moment.
1: That's, it. That's right. That's a lot of stuff I had never thought about, but you're absolutely right. So, you know, he's gone not just for winning the belt, but he's going down in history for quite a few things.
0: Yeah. So, cool stuff. Hmm. Now, of course, the next day on Raw, the, the, always, the always rowdy uh, post-Mania Raw, uh, Brock Lesnar comes out to claim his championship rematch immediately uh, and would seemingly have his first match in, on Raw in over a decade. Uh, But of course, Rollins, being the perfect slime ball that he is, claims (laughs) that he was just too tired to compete. So immediately after winning the title, like his foot, like his foot hurt after curb stomping everybody in sight, Uh, and this enrages Lesnar to the point of attacking commentators and cameramen uh, to earn himself an indefinite suspension. Uh, Such a good moment. (laughs) It's such a just a brutal moment. It's like holy shit.
1: And as soon as I saw it, I'm pretty sure you, Joe, were the exact same said the exact same thing. There's your SummerSlam match, <laughs> basically. But
0: turns out we were wrong. But still, by a month. Yep, fucking oh, battle, man. man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it was just so great because like he, like he's chasing Rollins around the ring and he tries to pop over the fence and Lesnar like with his out with his just unnatural speed. Like he's there's no he has no business being as fast as he is with as enormous as he is. He, he's, like he, he's a goddamn bullet man <laughs> like like Rollins has his back to the, like the rope and he's able to come out of the ring super fast and and just kind of hop over the fence and but Brock Lesnar manages like, to catch him somehow I have no idea how and grabs him and and J&J you know sacrifice themselves so that he can run away uh and then like he has nowhere else to beat up so he beats up everybody around him instead it's like whoa it's like my
1: favorite part whereas when uh Seth Rollins hits that uh weird Pele kick of his. That enziguri. Enziguri. And Brock turns his head and then turns his head slowly back as if he's insulted. That oh, he's no, that's like, not
0: a slow turn. It's a very fast, I'm going to murder you now turn for even trying to do that. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God.
1: And to me, that sold the whole feud, that it's, moment right
0: <laughs> It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, he doesn't, like... Like, like it's a no sell. Like it's so easy to fuck up a no sell, right? Like you can do it, like Hogan does, where he's just like, "Oh, that responds right off of me, brother." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is like, like you, you, like you, like you launched an arrow at the side of a very hungry and sleepy dragon, and like now he's gonna murder you for doing that. Indeed. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, and the obvious play here is obviously that the authority kind of concocted this. This little scheme so that, you know, that Seth Rollins could not have to deal with Brock Lesnar while he's <laughs> a champion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what makes sense. It's like, so it's a good plan. It's very good. It's it's very simple. It's very effective. But I, I enjoyed the whole thing.
1: Yeah, me too. The only, I mean, the only nitpick I could say about it was that I, I knew there was no chance he was dropping the belt until Brock Lesnar came back. But aside Oh, from of that. course.
0: But I mean, obviously, the, like obviously, if if he were to have a one-on-one rematch with Brock Lesnar, like obviously he wasn't going to win. So obviously they needed a way to get him out of the picture, mm-hmm. and that it was with an indefinite suspension by getting him into murdering everybody at, at ringside.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and it's funny that F5 and Cole made him. That much more over.
0: <laughs> I know, like, like normally attacking a commentator is like, oh, boo, brr. But it's like, oh, you've fight Michael Cole literally out of his shoes. <laughs> You're America's greatest hero and national treasure. Oh,
1: God. So what <laughs> happened, uh, he was in a match that night, wasn't he? Who? Rollins. No. No. I could have sworn, yeah, he was with, uh, he was like in a six man with uh, Sheamus and yeah, it was like him, Kane you know, against uh, I think Cena, Orton and Sheamus or something like that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It was like, it literally doesn't matter. It was a like nothing match. So, <laughs> so
0: what happened? Uh, but speaking of Orton, though, those two weren't through because Orton was still had a legitimate bone to pick, and that he never got a championship rematch following following his loss at. WrestleMania 30 the year before mm-hmm. and he would finally get one at Extreme Rules uh, in April of 2015. Now Extreme Rules being extreme, uh, each competitor got to name a stipulation for the match. Orton they decided that his stipulation would be a cage match. Nice. And then <laughs> Rollins decided that his stipulation was that Orton was banned from using the RKO. And also Kane was the gatekeeper for the match.
1: Well, that was a uh- the gatekeeper thing was what Triple H added afterwards. Oh right, right, right. But but Seth Rollins like there's so many issues with this. The I
0: know. That. Like the biggest one among them is that once it's a cage match, it's no, it's no DQ. RKO him to death. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. One, once again, no
1: DQ. And two, who the he picks the cage match because he does he wants to prevent outside interference, which is ignoring that two weeks ago. Rollins had a cage match with John Cena to which J and J security were interfering all over the fucking place in that match.
0: Yeah. Cage matches in WWE have been nothing but like magnets for outside interference. Like I don't remember the last time I saw a WWE cage match where no one interfered with it.
1: But what's the point of the cage? But they keep picking it because they say like, oh,
0: no one can interfere. No, no one. It's, it actually <laughs> <Like> increases <laughs> interference. Like everyone always interferes. Oh, like even even the what you would think is, as the most interference free, like the most interference proof match, which would be like Hell in a Cell hmm. or Elimination Chamber. Like both of those have been like invaded by the whites. Like the Hell in a Cell match, you know, between Ambrose and and Rollins, you know, riot <laughs> materializes or whatever the hell in the middle of the ring, and then that one Elimination Chamber of the year before, where all of a sudden like. I think Bray Wyatt pulled somebody out. I forget who he was tweeting with, but he pulled somebody out of the elimination chamber. It's like, what is happening with these cages? Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, the whole, you
1: can't use Like, I don't think he said Randy Orton couldn't use the RKO. He just said the RKO is banned,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which leads to the issues with the match. Because what, what happened in the match, Joe? Well, he wins with an RKO. <laughs> <laughs> And it's never addressed, and it, you can tell it makes no sense because the commentators are perplexed and arguing. Like, no, he said Randy Art. No, he said the RKO is banned from the match, so shouldn't he get disqualified? <laughs> like, I think the pay per view literally airs with them like trying to figure
0: out what just <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, but it's okay because I think like on Raw or something, like he he's like, oh yeah, did you like that SKO I gave him? It's like what the hell. <laughs>
1: So there you go. It was an SKO. And that's good. Uh, so now what happened next week?
0: Well, I mean, it's worth noting that Kane, uh, as the gatekeeper for this match, he, he still interfered with the match because of course, why wouldn't he, mm. why wouldn't there be interference in the cage match, uh, with Kane kind of attacking pretty much everybody around the ring, Orton, Rollins, JJ security, uh, And you know, the animosity would continue between Kane and and Rollins afterwards, with Kane as director of operations, because that's what (laughs) I forgot to mention that Kane is director of operations now. Uh for those wondering why Kane's booking matches, uh Kane booked (laughs) Rollins in the triple threat match at payback against Roman Reigns and Randy Orton following a fan vote. Like they put you know that that for uh anyone who might not know if this is if they unearthed this episode twenty years from now and they're like Fanville, what are you talking about? Well, there used to be this thing called the WWE app, uh, <laughs> dear listeners, where where uh, where uh, as you watched the show live on Raw, uh, like they were presented to three choices, and Kane presented presented the Fanville for three different matches at uh, at Payback. Either it was either uh, Rollins versus uh, Reigns at Payback, one on one versus Orton, one on one, or the triple threat match. It's like obviously, everyone's going to pick the triple threat match.
1: You're right. It has been a while since they've done one of these, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think they're
1: finally done with that. Thank As a- God.
0: Man. <laughs> it, and,
1: it was never good, man.
0: No, there was never anything to come out of it. Yeah, like following that fan vote, it was a triple threat match at Payback. And then following a defeat at the hands of Dean Ambrose on the May 4th episode of Raw, uh, the match would become a fatal four way. So basically the Shield and Randy Orton all involved in the Fatal 4-Way for the WWE Championship.
1: It was one of those matches, I think, uh, I don't know if I joked with you, but I was literally joking with people that the matchup was Reigns, Orton, and Seth f- for fighting each other for the right to pin D- Dean Ambrose. <laughs>
0: basically, yeah.
1: But thankfully the cooler heads prevailed because uh, you know, they didn't kill Dean Ambrose like that. And (laughs) you know what I'll remember fondly about, most fondly about this match, Joe? (laughs) What's that? The the mini shield reunion. Yes. Because there comes a good match, first of all. Really good match. Uh, There comes a point in the match where, you know, they're only outside and Orton is like attack is like taking pot shots at them. And at one point, Rollins is like, put him through the table, put him through the table. And then at first they're like hesitant. Ambrose and Reigns are hesitant to do it, but then Orton starts punching him, and then they all converge in classic <laughs> it's like shield. muscle memory. Indeed, like classic shield me- fashion. And then they Ambrose and Rollins start clearing the table. Reigns starts going
0: ooh.
1: <laughs> and then they pick him up and put him through the table and I want to spec I just want to note that for a brief moment in time, you know, the crowd is exploding because <laughs> for a brief moment in time, we had our shield back mm-hmm. and the great part of this Dean Ambrose, like comes up between Nina Reigns and Ambrose and, uh, excuse oh, me, Rollins, excuse me. And six, his arms around him. He's like,
0: yeah, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh-huh.
1: And Ambrose is like shaking his head happily. And shows Reigns. And then, Same time, their smiles disappear as if, are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) We didn't forget the last six months, asshole. Jeez. (laughs) And then they just beat the shit out of Rollins. Oh, man. But it it was a great, but like, I would recommend seeing that match just for that moment. Like, I replayed that so many times.
0: (laughs) It's so good.
1: But this match is also a very important part in uh, Rollins's history, isn't it, Joe?
0: Yes, it is. Because, you know, like we mentioned, with some time between, probably between Extreme Rules and Payback, his curb stomp was phased out by WWE for nebulous reasons, as we've already said. Mm-hmm. Uh, reasons that certainly aren't discussed publicly. And, you know, in the lead-up to Payback, Rollins was experimenting with that goofy-ass DDT <laughs> as his new finisher, which definitely did not pan out. No siree. Uh, but he ends up winning this pivotal four-way match at Payback uh with his new finisher, which was basically... uh Triple H's pedigree, mm-hmm. which he sloppily delivers Thorin for the win. <laughs> Very sloppily. I'd like to think that after the arena cleared out, uh, Rollins brought, or Triple H brought Rollins out to the middle of the ring. He's like, All right, we're going to practice this thing 200 times <laughs> in front of nobody. He's gotten better. Yes.
1: <laughs> but yeah, and it makes so much sense for that character to use that, because the whole thing is that he's... uh He's pretty much Triple H's kid at this
0: point. Yeah, there, there are there are a lot of parallels between the characters uh, of Triple H and and Seth Rollins even early on. Because uh, I don't know if you ever watched the uh, that thing that Max Landis did that wrestling isn't wrestling or whatever. Uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, uh, wrestling is fake or something like that. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was basically like this 20 minute like kind of breakdown of why. Wrestling appeals to, to wrestling fans so much, kind of like a primer for people who are confused by adults watching wrestling still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, like that, then he does it through the lens of kind of examining Triple H's character, uh, where Triple H, because the thing about wrestling, yeah, like his, the gist of his argument is that wrestling, you know, th- that wrestling basically just never ends, it's an ongoing thing. So characters, like wrestlers that stick around forever, are these characters that get to evolve over the course of decades. Even if they're lucky, uh, like Triple H, and Triple H, he describes Triple H as basically this, this this character who is always very good at what he does, but he's never the best. Uh, but he was always very good, and he was always very jealous of his friends who were the best around him and were more more, more likable and whatnot. And it made him very jealous, and it made him very conniving and whatnot. And that's basically what Seth Rollins is, where he was surrounded by you know you know the Shield who who had more obvious you know paths to success, uh, so. It's very easy to draw those parallels, where Seth Rollins is the guy who resents those other guys for for being, you know, more popular uh, through through no fault of his own. Uh,
1: and something I'm, this is kind of random, I'll admit it. But you you're mentioning characters, and uh, I that's one of the main reasons I love the Shield so much because. Like uh, you're saying, I can you can see how Seth's character is evolving and why he's making the decisions he's making to, you know, like the jealousy of his other S.H.I.E.L.D. brothers and what have you. I see the same thing with Reigns and Ambrose, too. And if you go on Art, I'm going to find the link and paste it on there. There is actually a woman who does S.H.I.E.L.D. art of like their mo- most of their big moments or whatever. Like, she did the betrayal. She did that one part <laughs> at Royal Rumble 2015 where Ambrose and uh, Reigns teamed up together one more time. And, and, uh, but, and it's all really, really good. I'll have to show it to you after the show. But, yeah, I agree with you what you're saying completely, that they're characters. And that's one of the reasons Seth Rollins, you know, no pun intended, is the future in WWE. <laughs> because you know, he knows that, and I'm...
0: I love watching his character evolve each and every week. So, yeah. So yeah. So him basically like adopting the pedigree. is like a perfect cap to that parallel. Like,
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense. And it's a good finisher. It's like, all right, if he had like, I, I missed the curb stomp, but I'll take the pedigree. I like, yeah, it. which I didn't think was going to be the case, especially when <laughs> the tripping DDT was. Debuted. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> man. <laughs> Oh, man, that's going to be in WWE 2K, isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to have to fix that and put it into the
0: pedigree. Oh, God. Uh, right. so, so what else? What happened after that, man? Well, interestingly, during Payback, WWE just kind of announces that they'll just host Elimination Chamber as a network-exclusive pay-per-view two weeks after Payback. Hmm. Uh, you know, not like instead of Money in the Bake a couple of weeks later, but, you know, in between the regularly scheduled pay-per-views, it's just kind of... It would be payback, two weeks later, Elimination Chamber, two weeks after that, money in the bank. It's like, oh, okay. So they've got two weeks basically to put together a feud, uh, for this next, uh, pay-per-view that they just suddenly announced. And, uh, Dean Ambrose ends up be uh, getting kind of, uh, pulled into the Rollins mode. Which, uh, and, uh, which makes sense, because there's yeah. history there. Yeah, and, you know, they just came off of this fatal four-way. Uh, and Dean Ambrose kind of just goads Rollins into just giving him a one-on-one match at the show for the title,
1: and uh, it it works for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, I would dare put uh, Ambrose and uh, Rollins in that position that I would I saw the Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, where any it doesn't matter what the situation is. Anytime those two are fighting each other, I'm there. So, what'd you think of the
0: match, Joe? Uh well, <laughs> well the match was fine. It was a fine match. Um, Give it a four out of ten. <laughs> it was okay. Um, but the the big the sticking point here is that it ended on the well on a, on a classic dusty finish. Uh, which uh, to summarize here in 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 the context of this single match here is that you know near the end of the match Ambrose, uh, I think he tried he tried to hit. His, uh, his elbow off the top rope to the standing opponent thing, Mm -hmm. uh, that we all love so much. Uh, but Rollins pulls the referee in front of him, uh, knocking him out. And another referee comes in when Ambrose attempts to pin. And, you know, there's like, what seems like 10 minutes before a referee comes in to count. And everyone expects that, you know, the count will be one, two, and oh, like all that time that he spent on the ground gave him enough time to recuperate. But no, the referee counts three, even after, you know, that giant gap get between getting the referee in there. And I
1: just flipped the screen, the bird. Cause I didn't buy this for two. Seconds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but everybody in the arena sure as hell bought it. Cause oh. that place explodes. It explodes. Yeah. Like uh,
1: if this was, if this was, this was probably, they'll say in a future DVD set, them testing the water to see if people would care. If you want.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kind of like when, you know, they had ultimate warrior and Hogan at, at the Royal rumble. They're, And then there were the only two people in the ring for a little while. And they're like, ooh, yeah. Or
1: that time that Jericho pinned Triple H for the belt and then they reversed it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I was like, okay, people care. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the Dusty finish. And and the way they reversed it here is that the original referee regains consciousness and declares that Rollins uh, is the loser via disqualification, not via pinfall. Uh, so that allows him to keep the title because, obviously, titles only exchange hands on pinfalls and submissions. And what a uh,
1: dick referee, number one.
0: <laughs> seriously, like, you're out. Like We've got another referee already here. He's he's declared this legitimate. God damn it. So Ambrose, of course, is displeased with the decision, and he runs off with the belt. Just takes it. Just runs away with it.
1: Huh. <laughs> and, you know, it made sense. You know, because he's like, no, fuck you. I won the belt. I'm keeping it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh so you know and of course since elimination chamber like I said it's simply an extra pay-per-view between two regularly scheduled ones uh they've got two weeks basically as, with Rollins as the champion but without a belt uh and Money in the Bank is still on track of course to take place uh so they set up a rematch between the two Rollins and Ambrose and in the spirit of the li- of uh, Money in the Bank it's a ladder match. You know, you'd think, you know, seemingly to to get a decisive finish for this for this uh for this feud here for mm. the title. Uh and you know, meanwhile, members of the authority are growing tired of Rollins' dependence on them to succeed as well. Uh at one point with Rollins, you know, at one point declaring that maybe he doesn't need them so much, and he kind of just drives them all away. He called uh Kane a seven
1: foot piece of crap. I thought that
0: was <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, man. Which I approved of. I, didn't. I did. Uh yeah, me too. Oh man, so um... Uh, yeah, so of course the result of the ladder match ends up not being super decisive as it should be with the two of them climbing the ladder and pulling the belt down at the same time. Uh, however, because Rollins happens to hold on to it when they both bounce off the mat, uh, when they hit the ground, he retains possession of the belt. He is still your champion.
1: Yeah, and I was really impressed by by this match because, you know, I, I, I guess with Ambrose, I'm always nervous of him looking weak. And, uh, this match really did a fantastic job of making him look strong cuz there's a part where, Ant, where Rollins is just power bombing him all over the spot all <laughs> over the place like murdering him and, uh, and you know but Ambrose just keeps fighting and fighting and fighting and then they did that whole thing where like he was literally like fingertips away he was away from being champion which he brought up in a in a later promo and said, you know what? That's my goal now. I want to be champ. You're like, okay, more character development. Awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, this was Seth Rollins' first victory on his own. So Basically. Should, yeah. So it showed that, you know what? Maybe he can stand on his own.
0: Yeah. And, uh, of course, after he wins, Rollins, he's kind of out of credible opponents right now for uh, for the belt. So, of course, the authority has been doing this weird thing even before this where they kind of put up their own obstacles like, there aren't any real obstacles, so they just kind of make up their own for no real reason whatsoever. Thank you! I- <laughs> it was like it was like uh,
1: Vince did this at the Survivor Series, where he's like, you know what, I'm going to put your power up for grabs for
0: no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here, you know, like, obviously they need a championship match for, you know, for the next pay-per-view of Battlegrounds, so they're like, you know what? That's reinstate Brock Lesnar and have him face you all one-on-one for, for the championship. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> like, just killing the entire point of goading him into, like, being suspended in the first place. It's like, remember that? Remember when you made him do that so that he would be suspended so that this would not happen? Exactly. And now you're, and now the, you're making it happen just, just because. Yeah,
1: and the, I remember Stephanie, who, by the way, has vanished off the face of the earth, it seems. Mm-hmm. But, but v- Stephanie... Like, giving this passionate promo how we would never see Brock Lesnar again. And now he's like, you know what? Seth is being kind of a dick. Let's bring him back. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> oh, man. But whatever. And uh, Rollins' face as uh, as Brock was coming back. Seeing Brock oh, God. For the first time or seeing, hearing his music even was priceless. Really sells the whole field.
0: Yeah, Rollins <laughs> is, is just amazing with facial expressions. He's very like he's just he's just top shelf stuff. Mm. So that's that's currently where we stand now. We're we're like a week and a half before the pa- the battleground pay per view, so we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I have a general idea. <laughs> like if if there are if if it ends up being just a straight up match, I have an idea of how that'll end, but um. But for now, Rollins is just kind of spending a lot of time trying to repair that, like, all the damage he did by saying that he didn't need anybody. He's saying, hey, guys, remember when we were pals? So please be around so I'm not murdered uh, and torn in the, into 800 different pieces uh, at the pay-per-view. I'll buy you a car. Yeah,
1: and some Apple Watches.
0: <laughs> some Apple
1: Watches. Yeah, I'll make... take a couple of broken ribs if it means a new car and an Apple Watch. Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, the last the last we saw of anything we, we the raw just happened was that uh was actually right here in Chicago. Uh I did not go unfortunately.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was about to ask about that.
0: <laughs> but but uh Brock Lesnar came back uh again to uh well, well he came back to, to I guess to, to he wants he wants that rematch immediately, damn it, he doesn't want to wait for a paper, he wants it as soon as possible. Hmm. Uh but of course uh Rollins doing his slimy best to 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 make Prolong the inevitable for as long as he can, but uh, he meant he he talked to Triple H. Triple H lit a fire under his ass or whatever. Uh, so he tried to call him out. They, the funny thing is that he and J and J Security came out with axe handles, like literal axe handles, not like <laughs> off, not off the top rope the axe top handles, rope but, handles. <laughs> but like the actual wood handles without the axe on the end of it. Uh, I would have
1: loved that segment. I got the answer to beating Ressler. What is it? Axe handles.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, like J and J comes out in their car, which is tastefully decorated uh, by uh, <laughs> by uh, freaking Jamie Noble with camouflage, racing stripes, and and uh, vent portholes on the vents. And it's like, oh god, he's ruined this car, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Brock Lesnar just single-handedly destroys the car like it's Street Fighter Two. Yeah, in fact, there is
1: a a video out where it's got the Street Fighter car-breaking bonus stage music and points being racked up as he destroys the car. (laughs)
0: Like, it's the obvious joke to make, but you know what? I'll take it. (laughs) I have to
1: say, if you want an example of how scary strong Brock Lesnar is, there's a part where he, like, with his bare hands, and people are going to say, oh, it's a fake car. I don't think it is. No, where he legit rips a car door off the hinges and then chucks it,
0: he curls it halfway across the arena. He
1: hit a guy in the front row or the second row. You hit a kid. It's like, <laughs> a, I would say it was like what 40, 50 feet. He chucked this car door.
0: Uh, way further than any person should be able to.
1: Oh my, he is. He should be either a supervillain or a superhero. My God.
0: <laughs> oh God, he he might be the single best wrestling entity i've ever seen i'm surprised they're
1: not calling him the 10th
0: wonder in the world
1: (laughs) but but yeah i'm once again going to the pay-per-view i'm excited i mean i've been waiting for this literally the entire summer and or ever since wrestlemania and uh (laughs) i think it's going to be a great match i mean brock matches are always a spectacle to behold and This is literally a matchup people are going to buy because Seth is such a wonderful heel that people want him
0: to die. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. So, and uh, according to .com's J&J security as of that night are out indefinitely. So, (laughs) unless that's a ruse, which, you know, he's the architect, it could be. But unless that's a ruse, I think we're setting up for brock winning and then the rematch at survivor series where brock will win again and uh that'll be that
0: yeah i mean yeah j and j i don't think they'll be around for a, for a little while because he he broke jamie noble's arm with the Cabrera lock we saw that happen mm-hmm. and then he threw jamie mickrey upside down onto the hood of the car so <laughs> i think they'll be out for a little while
1: noble. He's he was just getting destroyed in this feud. <laughs>
0: oh man! Like he got—he legitimately got his ribs broken uh, last time that he was on Raw. Yeah, that it's, was real. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, just, it's just. It's. It's too much to ask of a tiny man's body to be thrown against the barrier by Brock Lesnar.
1: Indeed, and I can only imagine Kane coming back from his Hawaiian vacation and be like, "So what I miss? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Nope, nope."
0: Like you come, you come fight for battleground, buddy. Nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, there was a delay at the airport. I'm gonna be back that Monday. Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, what do you see in Rollins' future? The undisputed future.
0: <laughs> man, I I see a lot of bright things in there. Mm-hmm. Coming coming forward. Uh, man, it's just he's so he's so good. He's so good. He's so spectacular at. at At what he can do in the ring. And, uh, in terms of his, his, his mic ability, it can still use a little bit of work. Like in terms of, you know, being able to promote, he's perfectly great at that. Mm -hmm. And just kind of being very easy to dislike. But, uh, like there's some couple of things where he kind of just, he has this tendency to kind of ramble a little bit. If he's the one opening the, the show with the promo or whatever, Mm -hmm. he tends to ramble a little bit longer than he probably should. But overall, I think he's, 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 he's going to be a multi-time world champion well before, very soon.
1: Oh yeah. When well, it's all all said and done, I think uh, he's got an extremely, extremely bright future. Uh, I do hear you with uh, the with the uh, the promos though, but I think he, at the same time he's getting better every time he picks up a stick. So yeah. And uh, which is funny because like the biggest joke I had on him for the longest time is I thought he sounded like Stephanie McMahon if he, she was a male. <laughs> Because she's got the same... Bo- you know, it's
0: like... It's,
1: <laughs> it's, but... No, no, He's in a class all of his own. Like, it's amazing how the shield... How, like, every single one of them is going places. Like, there yeah. is no Jannetty. They're all Shawn Michaels, which has <laughs> never happened.
0: Yeah, and, you know, between all of them and, and just the people coming out of NXT that seem like they're going to be ready by the time WrestleMania 32 rolls around, mm. uh, I'm very excited for what that card could look like. Oh my God.
1: I think we're heading into a, into a WWE Renaissance, like a new attitude era, so to speak, with all these guys being called up. Like I can only imagine what the divas division is going to look like when they finally call up everybody. Okay. Yeah. Like from the sounds of it, they're already got two call-ups prepped for SummerSlam with the whole
0: page storyline. Oh my God. Which when that finally happens, I'm going to, Oh my God. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Sasha Banks coming up. Yeah, I'm excited
1: for Sasha, Charlotte, you know, freaking Bailey, even, man. Oh. But at any event, I guess that does
0: it for Seth Rollins. It does. We should go into a few recommendations, though, before Oh, match recommendations. Yes, before we finish off uh, properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, the usual Shield six-man tag matches are still in effect. If you want to look up those matches against the Wyatts or Revolution or or that TLC match, uh, the month after they debuted, mm-hmm. all of it's still wonderful, great stuff. Uh, but if you want singles action from Mr. Sauce Rollins, uh, of course that triple threat match from this past Rumble is, of course, the place to start. I think.
1: Mm. Uh, there are a few instances that are outside of the box, so to speak. Like there was like this weird matchup with uh, the Shield versus Cena versus, I think, the Usos, where it was an elimination match, and the la- the final two were Rollins and uh, Cena, and it turned into one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, but aside from that, yeah, pretty much, I agree with you. I would, starting around uh, that on that uh, triple threat is a fantastic entry.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, this match at WrestleMania with Randy Orton was good, too, and, of course, Ken in Watkins- <laughs> Uh, there's money in the bank contract, a lot of fun as well. Uh, but if you want to go for stuff, I guess, before WWE, there's not a whole lot to talk about, not because it, none of it's any good, but just like I said, it's it's hard to find stuff that you don't have to buy yourself from like ROH, uh, their like DVD library. Mm. Uh, like there's very little that's like on YouTube that you can look up for yourself. But what I did find, though, were some interesting stuff. Like there was a match he had with Kenta. Yep,
1: yeah, that was going to be the match I recommended, actually.
0: Uh Aka Hideo Itami at ROH End of Age on June 27th, 2009. Uh The only thing I found on YouTube from that match was a highlight reel set to some really bad, kind of like, grungy rock crap that I didn't enjoy. But it, but he managed the person putting the video together managed to keep a decent amount of uh, what happened in that match, Man. and it's still a really great watch uh just based on that. But there's also a match against Brian Danielson at ROH Southern Navigation the year before May Southern 9th.
1: Navigation.
0: That's what it said in the YouTube description. So that's o- okay, sure. <laughs> <what> he- <laughs> so, uh, but that's like a 20 minute match, and that's 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 really excellent stuff as well. Hmm. Uh, there's a match from his time at you know, like we mentioned, his time at, at NWA Midwest. He had a match against Karma. There were Amazing Kong, aka Karma, who you might remember. Are as you a- serious? He- yeah. An intergender match. How did that uh, go? <laughs> uh, not well for Mr. Uh, Tyler Black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. that's It's an interesting thing to watch because uh, Karma is just uh, a beast of a woman. And uh, let's see here. There's I found a match against Kevin Steen at IPW, uh, which is pretty interesting to watch. It's like a 12-minute match. Uh, mm. It's funny that Kevin Steen is, you know, Steen being his real name, but that sounds like the made-up name and not Kevin Owens. But yeah, that's a cool match to watch as well because you know Kevin Owens, that's he's still like you can still see you can still see the underpinnings of both of their future characters uh, in that match. Like, especially Steen as as just this like for all the stuff like soon, like I think, uh very soon, uh Kevin Owens will be the top heel in the company just because he's just such a spectacular piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see that here uh in this match if you look it up on YouTube. I don't know the date on that, though. Like, you'll know it when it when you see Kevin Owens uh, standing in the ring against, uh, basically, Cesar Owens in a tiny gymnasium with, like, two rows of chairs surrounding the ring. Uh, I mean, but that's what I've got. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Owens,
1: I think, is going to... F- oh, I can't wait for that episode that we do. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Owens starts his own heel stable up and... That leads to the reason that the S.H.I.E.L.D. has to team up again.
0: <laughs> that would be pretty goddamn cool.
1: Which, by the way, folks, spoiler, that's going to happen. We're, we, oh, yeah. We will sh- see a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. In it. But it's not going to happen for a while because, you know <laughs> what, I think they all three of them deserve time.
0: So yeah, For a split <laughs> second, we thought we might have had it at payback, but uh, there's not to be.
1: <laughs> all right, Joe. So that does it for this week's episode. Tune in next, next time we're <laughs> We'll be talking about Roman Reigns.
0: At some point. Hopefully within a couple of weeks. Hopefully not within a few months.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll be back on a more regular schedule. Uh, back hopefully to the planned every other week thing that we had going on for a good while.
1: Well, trust me. If I have anything to say, we will.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, Joe. What, what are, if uh, people like what they heard today, what? Where? how can they follow us?
0: Well, that's an excellent question, Malcolm. You can find us first and foremost on slamuni.com uh, where you find all of our episodes posted. You can subscribe. You can find our RSS links and whatnot all there. It's all very easy to do. Uh, but you can also subscribe via all the usual channels. If you prefer doing stuff on iTunes, you can find us there. If you fi- prefer an RSS catcher like, say, uh, I don't know, Pocket Casts, you can do that through there as well. Very easy to find either way wherever fine podcasts are, are sold and downloaded, you'll find us there. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do that, at Slam University. If you want to follow me, I'm at want 23 If you want to follow Malcolm, he's at PSMalk. Mm. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all I got. Did I miss anything here, Malcolm? It's been a while. I...
1: Uh, no, Joe, I think you hit all the, all the everything that needed to be said here.
0: Alright, so with all that being said, uh, we'll catch you at some point in the future, we're not going to commit because apparently if we do that, that doesn't go so well. But soon, damn it. Soon. All right. Later, people. See ya.